today is April 20th, 2023. Welcome to Native Calgarian, one of my favorite days, 420. Woohoo! Hoki, Naganago, Mekoche, Chestakomaki, or Dekotsunagotine Siku. Hi, my name is Red Thunder Woman. My married English name is Michelle Robinson, and I use she and her pronouns. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Great Bear Lake Tribe in Treaty 11. My name is Dekotsunagotine Siku. My people wore rabbit skin, so it's been referred to as land of the hair people. I'm a native to Turtle Island, and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area of Klincho Tene Indahe in Satu Dene, meaning many big dog town, named after the Calgary Stampede. I was born in Calgary, or in Blackfoot Mokinstis, as Michelle Elliott, an English name which has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene, or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act and Post status card by the Canadian government says Yellow Knives Dene. Through my father, I am a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution, while having a Canadian Indian Act imposed status card, which is a colonial construct by Canadian policies meant to divide Indigenous peoples' inherent rights. Indigenous Two-Spirit or the Indigenous 2SLGBTQ plus community and Indigenous women are at the bottom of the Canadian socioeconomic ladder because of colonial trauma, imposed poverty, racism, gendered violence, and land theft. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous, but I share my journey as I walk the Red Road. As a Dene woman who's attempted to run, join harmful colonial parties, spent money to be at expensive conventions, left my home to travel to those conventions just to vote on incomplete policies that still allow incarceration, a denial of justice, a denial of health services, racism, colonial trauma, and genocide of Indigenous and Black peoples, I have worked to continue, reports to advocate for, and attempt to work within these systems meant to harm me and my community. I think of all of this today, and I hope we honor the many Indigenous lives lost for the so-called country named Canada. I hope you see your role in the importance of stopping harm as a citizen and see your role in reconciliation and as a treaty partner. Pride Month should never just be one month, as it is important to understand the straight agenda and gendered violence was and is forced on these lands by Christian outsiders. I want everybody to stop and just imagine a world where being queer is normal. And in June, we uh, do educational seminars just for straight people to learn how not to be bigots. Just imagine that for a moment. Anyway, land acknowledgments are critical for creating a safer space for Indigenous, as well as honoring the host as a guest and acknowledging your role as a treaty partner in a so-called time of reconciliation. It's important land acknowledgments have meaning. I encourage all to introduce themselves with their acknowledgement of their ancestors, stories of displacement, how you perceive your role as a treaty partner, a citizen of Canada, a refugee, or other land displacement, so we as Indigenous people know how safe you are to be around. If you won't pronounce your local Indigenous nation's names, won't say your pronouns, won't say your story of origin, won't acknowledge stolen lands, imposed economic oppression, or your role in reconciliation, I determine how safe you are to be around my community, my family, and myself. Understanding land acknowledgements and their importance is Indigenous 101 because it immediately addresses colonialism, oppression dynamics, broken treaties, and lies taught today in Canadian schools nationally. 
That's why settlers and those who call themselves native Calgarians or whatever town you're from, show me you have no Indigenous 101 understanding. Side note, I called out CTV News. Uh, Two of their reporters said, a Calgarian native to this area, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, is there any way to reframe that? And uh, one, they never replied. And two, the article has not changed. So thanks, folks, for backing me up on that. (laughs) Anyway. I really recommend Jesse Winty's book, Unreconciled. Uh, it explains this perfectly, as do many Indigenous authored books. Land Back is a movement that could save the planet from climate change created by colonialism, but it would also be a part of the treaty partnership, meaningful reconciliation, honoring global initiatives like the United Nations Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. And just a shout out to all the Indigenous people at the UN right now advocating for us. Thank you. I wish I knew how to do that work, but I'm so grateful you're doing it on our behalf. So just wanted to throw that out there. I honor the Blackfoot and the elders and members have been kind to me on my Red Road journey. Elder Red Crane taught me how to pronounce my spirit name in Blackfoot and Leonard Kenny taught me how to pronounce it in Satu Dene. My humblest apologies to the Blackfoot and Dene elders and language keepers as I learn proper pronunciation. I'm speaking to you on the lands of the Nitsitapi, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot South, the imposed U.S.-Canadian border are the Blackfeet, and north of the border are the Siksika, Gainai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands are Treaty 7, signed September 22, 1877, with signatures that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Wesley, Chiniki, and Bearspaw Nations of the Stony Nation, and the Dene from Sutina. I acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit, status and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. All non-Indigenous are treaty partners with the government signing on your behalf. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you to my previous donors for showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, gratitude. Thank you. For those for who cannot afford to give, I'd just love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com, where you can send in your comments or your questions. Also, giving a review helps whatever medium you're listening from. And the conservative trucker convoy sure found it, so I know you can too. I have a YouTube channel that you can go and subscribe. Go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin posts on social media. I'm really honored to invite my guests to come on and introduce themselves in their way. Good morning and thank you so much for having me. My name is Ray Wright from Michigan, First Nation, Ontario, uh, located on Manitoulin Island. Um, I was um, not not raised there. I was raised in actually Calgary, Alberta as well. Uh, So I got to call Calgary home um, for much of my childhood. So thank you for having me, Miigwech. Yeah, really honored to be here. So we recently met on TikTok. Yes, we did. Yes, uh, I've been following you for a while and admiring what you're doing um, for the platform for our people. And I thought, I need to reach out. I need to reach out to you. Um, I think creator um, on my path, my new journey of um, getting to the bottom of this um, has allowed me to come across your journey. And I really appreciate everything you're doing. Oh, vice versa, vice versa. I think it's really important we elevate each other. And I think the other thing is this, is that uh, I get tired of myself. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. So, you know, for me to elevate other people's voices, like, in, like, we're all in solidarity. 
that's the irony. And maybe you'll say, you know, uh, you're a settler colonizer in a way that they can understand. I don't know. So right. for me, it's like the more indigenous voices. And if you see a commonality, then you can't just label me as some, you know, aggressive, difficult, hard, blah, blah, with all the racist, racist tropes they mm -hmm. like to do, because it's like, no, you're just not getting it. And you outed yourself as a racist. So <laughs> that's right. That's yeah. right. We were all born with a voice. And uh, I think our voice has been dampened down uh, by society for a little bit too long now. Yeah. And there's, there's too many stories for us to uh, stay quiet any longer. So yeah, exactly. it's time we rejoice together. Yeah. No, agreed. And the best part is, is seeing us all thrive together and having so much commonality. And, you know, I take the TRC and the MMIW as, as my, my Bibles, like, you know, people get up and they're like, it's uh, Ramadan right now. So, you know, they're reading a passage of Quran and cause we are forced to know Christianity. They'll read parts of the Bible. Well, I, I don't understand why not reading the TRC or the treaty or, um, the MMIW report isn't a part of everybody's like daily routine, uh, working on anti-racism. Even myself, I caught myself being, um, uh, transphobic and not honoring my daughter's wish to use they and them pronouns on Twitter, like just in a simple post, you know, so if I'm not working on it 24 seven, you know, I can't expect it of others, but I am working on it on 24 seven and I can't understand why other people aren't. So, Absolutely. you know, yeah, that's where I come from on all of that, because, you know, how else are we going to reclaim who we are for not you know, learning and being open and being honest, blah, blah, blah. Uh, <laughs> I'm talking too much. Why don't you talk about you and your story? You. <laughs> oh, no, to worry at all. My daughter is a, a two-spirit as well. And um, watching her flourish and develop and come out of her own comfort level to embrace this in the world and find love in the world has really been the difficult watching her struggle mm -hmm. with her own identity. And Sure. It's really not making it uh, difficult uh, or easy, I'm sorry, in the world for two spirit to go out and admit what they are and whom they are and their pronouns and be proud of that. Yeah. So I'm right along with you. And um, I believe our world needs to transform like we need to stop and realize that we're all born different. We're all we all have stories to tell and they're equally important. And I think it's great that we collab like this and we get together and we share each other's stories I think this is the platform where we all need to join and become one uh, become one with the world like we come from uh, being aboriginal as as we you know we all know that we come from the mother earth um, and we come together when we need something um, when we need to stick up for our people and that is really why I, I wanted to come on today and talk with you and anybody else who would like to take the time to listen is um I am a survivor of the Highway of Tears. I was abducted on the highway when I was 14 years old. Um, at that time, um, I was in Prince George, BC. I had hitchhiked with a girlfriend to Tache Lake Reserve. Um, from there is where I was abducted from. Nobody knew I was missing. Um, nobody was looking for me. Um, at that time, I was just an Aboriginal runaway. And the part about that is I never asked to be there. Uh, I never asked to be a runaway. I never asked to be a homeless youth from the age of nine to 17. It, these were things that were out of my control. And I met other children. 
unfortunately, that were there on the street out of their control too. Yeah. Uh, that is so, and mind. again, this is yeah. colonial trauma. This is, uh, you know, not some, some choice that indigenous people make like this trope that goes out there. This is colonial forced issues that Canada refuses to take responsibility on, refuses to educate the truth on, and refuses to talk about this in a meaningful way that, oh no, we purposely apprehended these children at uh, hospitals or whenever we had the opportunity and we imposed a life that is nobody would want and lucky that anybody survives. And that's why it's ongoing, purposeful trauma and genocide. It absolutely is. And throughout my entire 29 years of dealing with this highway of tears, I have never once found anyone in the professional community that could help me with the post-traumatic stress that I had dealt with, with the survivor's guilt that was left with me, with repairing my mother's 60 scoop trauma with all of that I was left with. And now I am a, a Mosham, I am a Kukum, and this is my mission now. Yeah, my I think it's really to... important to kind of jump on what you said and, yeah. and point this out to people because I pointed it out today on a small TikTok and I said, look, until Canadian counselors and social workers get their fucking shit together and do some anti-racism training, anti-colonial teaching and understand indigenous issues, they have no business giving no. us so-called counseling. They have no yeah. business being paid by the Canadian government to give us our so-called free counseling services. We literally get re-traumatized by these idiots and have to educate them on our issues because they're too That's stupid to pick up a damn book. And, and that is what is upsetting to me. It's upsetting to me that these um, social work colleges, they don't force them to do this mandatory education. It's supposed to, if you follow these reports, but to them, it's like, oh my God, you exist. And this is such a good first step. Oh my God. I'm like, yeah. I, I am so tired of this trivialization of white supremacy that is so rampant in our complete health service, like yes. whether mental or, or physical, like it's, it's everywhere. And it until is. these folks get proper training, they have no business re-traumatizing us. I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. The only thing that I actually got comfort from, as weird as it sounds, was Jessica McDermott's book, Highway of Tears. Mm. I, It's the only book I could read where I actually am like someone else where I can connect with families and know that I am not alone in this fight for justice for our people. Yeah. Fight for permission to be on this planet. Ugh. Like I, I, I raising my grandson now, I'm, I'm frightened for his future. Rightfully with so. What I've been put through on this planet and what my, my ancestors have been put through even lately. I mean, it, look at COVID. Who, yeah. who got the COVID injections first, the elderly and the aboriginals? What happened there? I am, I am tired of being swept under the rug. Um, I believe we... Can, I will add to that, though. I've done lots yeah. of previous podcasts on that. It was actually yeah. thanks to the Indigenous doctors, like Dr. James McCulkis and a few others across the country that advocated for us. That's why yeah. we were lucky enough to get those shots first. That and I, and I literally got those. Yeah, no, I got those vaccines because I knew 
that work needed to happen. And I mean, I almost immediately lost an uncle. Uh, actually, everyone knows him, uh, Fred Sasakamus, the one of the first NHL players. So um, he died from COVID. And our uh, doctors knew we were the most susceptible because remember, we've been experimented on. Our food source has been taken. We don't get proper health care. So we are most likely the first to die thanks to racism and the damn health care system and the stupid society that refuses to acknowledge all these issues. So they were the ones who advocated for us. I am grateful to I will be grateful till I die that they did. And I, I will get as many shots as I can, but I was just denied service last week because apparently you can only get the four. And if you get a bivalent, which was my last one, you can't get more until oh they change the health requirements. Right. So I got to wait for the health requirements. to. I, I thought you could get them every six months, but no, not after you get a bivalent. And that's it, hey? Yeah. Wow. So it has put a lot under spin. It, it, what didn't scare me was the, the virus. What scared me was what the government would do with us. Which is fair. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, uh, we've seen a lot of um, uh, people coming out and voicing their stories now. So I thought this would be a great opportunity and a great time to to collaborate before May 5th comes along. And we're all marching together. Um, I, I can't wait to hear more stories now as the time's going on. Yeah, no kidding. Um, I'm really grateful. Did you want to share more about your story about the Highway of Tears only because and, and can you slowly say that book one more time? Because I suspect our listeners are like, Oh, my God, I need to read that book. (laughs) Of course, of course, the book that I'm referring to is the Highway of Tears by Jessica McDiarmid. There is a little bit more I would like to share in regards to the Highway of Tears story. Um, I do not want to focus on myself so much. My story, I've been telling it for 29 years. The platform that I wish to speak upon as May 5th is coming, very important day that we come together and remember our loved ones. The platform I would like to stand upon today is when my girlfriend's bodies were found. Now, Leah and Roxanne uh, both disappeared in November and December. So Roxanne disappeared in December or November, I'm sorry, of 1994. Leah disappeared in December of 1994. They were both 15 years old. Okay, and I'm just going to just pause everyone. I graduated (laughs) high school in 1994. So while I was graduating high school and pumping gas at Jerry Shell and Sylvan Lake, these two went missing on the Highway of Tears. And at that time, my dad was encouraging me to join a union, get in the oil patch, and that easily could have been me. Absolutely, and how frightening, how frightening to live through those times. Um, Myself, I remember hitchhiking to work. Mm -hmm. Um, At that time, I never thought it was such a big deal. But at that time, my friends weren't missing. They weren't murdered. Um, And when when that happened to them, it was no longer I was abducted and, and I escaped abduction. It was, there's a serial killer out there. There's a serial killer out there and he not only took me and I escaped, but he came and he took out my two friends. Me and Leah and Roxanne, we lived in a, a street home together. Um, we lived in that street home until I hitchhiked to Touch a Lake and where I was abducted. Mm. After I escaped my abduction, I ran away from that, those men's home to the 7-Eleven in Burns Lake where I was 
half clothed. I had no shoes. I called the children's helpline because I remembered hearing it on a commercial. Yeah. And I called the children's helpline and they said that they would help me. Uh, the RCMP showed up at 7-Eleven. Um, I was put into the back of a cop car. I felt like I had done wrong that because I allowed these men to rape me and steal me, that the way that they handled me and didn't question me that I had must have done something wrong. So it took about 15 to 20 years to tell my story. Mm -hmm. Usually uh, when I would tell my story, it was about my girls because I'd always advocated for them. After my abduction, when I went back, I was sent back from the RCMP to Prince George where I was homeless. I had nowhere to go. I was 15 years old. I returned to the streets. I couldn't find Okay, my we're going to pause right there. So just okay. to remind everyone, those racist, sexist, misogynistic pricks of the RCMP basically treated a 14, 15-year-old girl like she is somehow at fault for her rape. Just a reminder for folks who want to defend the police. So after I escaped my abduction, um, I tried to find my friends and I couldn't find them. Oh. Um, a lot of the girls on the street had gone missing at that point. Yep. There was also a judge involved um, with things that my daughter, my girlfriends had to do in order to not be put in jail at 15 years old. Um, when their bodies were found, I do need it known that they were branded prostitutes and drug addicts by the media. Yep. So that's and that's what the media does. And that's why the yeah. MMIW and the TRC talk about how media is complicit in the way they talk about it, the way they frame us. And that's why Cindy Gladue is so triggering for all of us who yes. know this is what the media does to our people. And I'm so sorry that they did this and that the RCMP didn't properly value, validate you then, let alone today. They still suck at Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what the RCMP um, did is I actually gave a statement after my girlfriends had uh, disappeared out and uh, shown up murdered, unfortunately. Um, they had questioned me 20 years later about that statement I made. They came to my home in Alberta. I was no longer in BC. So they came to my home 20 years later to ask for DNA from my son. So I, I, I believe we've been slept under the rug. I believe my girlfriends were swept under the rug. Um, their names, as well as Ramona Wilson, came up when Epana came around. Mm. Um, those are the ladies from Epana that came to my home mm. to interview me in regards to my, my friends. Mm. They wanted to know at that time who I knew then. 20 years later, they wanted names of the people who I who were my friends. They gave me inclinations that I knew the murderer. I had to have, because why would he take me and then all my friends? Um, Rather than have... seeing it as a systemic issue, where yes. because Canadian treats us like pieces of shit and we're stuck in these pieces of shit situations, they're smart yes. enough to know to go after those situations as opposed to basically re-traumatize you and victim blame you. Absolutely, absolutely. And I can only imagine what the families of these two girls had went through. I've heard numerous stories of, of our Aboriginal people finding out about our, our murdered women and children and men 
and how we are left to search for them on our own, yeah. how we're ser- how we're left with our communities to search for them. It's hard to get the RCMP or any facilities out there or uh, companies that can help us search. So we're left to do that on our own. Um, I would like it also to be known that when my girlfriend's bodies were found at the age of 15 years old, that the media had used their mug shots, which were the mug shots used in the newspapers to tell of tell the community that they were caught for for human trafficking, um, uh, prostitution, that they were um, drug addicts and bad on the community and a hindrance and let's clean these girls up. And we were children. Yeah, we were exploited children. Yep. No matter how you want to put it, we had no right. We couldn't even buy cigarettes or alcohol, but we could sell our bodies. This is the part that I don't understand is why they're still labeled at 15 years old as prostitutes right. and drug addicts at 15 years old. Right. My daughters, if, if we had a tiff and they took off and they went walking around to a friend's house and got stolen, what would that stigma have said about my children? Right. Just because they left my house and because I had that stigma follow me, I was never a prostitute. Right. I was never a drug addict. At 12 years old, when I met these girls, they protected me from yeah. drugs. They protected me from prostitution. Mm-hmm. I never sold my body. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I watched them sell theirs. I took license plate numbers for men that took my friends. They gave me a little rubber watch that I had on my wrist at 15 years old to watch my friends to make sure they came home. We had cops walking by us asking if they could see our bodies. We watched cops watch us go away in cars at 15 years old, 12 years old, 13 years old, and not a blink of an eye. No, because honestly, they're the rapists too. Like we have more stories of that. Um, Maria Campbell in her book, she has that story. Like they've been raping us since they've got here. And then they have the audacity to be like, well, you must be a pretend Indian because you got laid eyes. And it's like, hmm, how many of your people came here and raped us? Jesus Christ. Yeah, exactly. And I believe it's time that we hear the stories so that we could band together and support each other and become each other's allies for once. I think what we need to do is realize that we do live in this sort of society together. So why don't we band together and Mm -hmm. support each other on um, networks such as yours? I believe they're very important to get together because they bring everybody's story together. It's not just me, but I get to introduce you to Leah and Roxanne who protected me from prostitution at the age of 12. I am then forever you know Let's, they are heroes. Yes. Because I are. know we, we work hard to protect each other and stop this from happening to another. Yes. And they tried. And in ridiculous situations, <sighs> my heart goes out to you. And I'm glad you're honoring them in such a good way. Thank you. Thank you. I've been honoring them for 29 years. I've never been able to forget them. They are in all I do. They are in every word that comes out of my mouth when I protest for them. When I remember them, when I held my grandson for the first time, I know that they were there. Mm -hmm. I am here because they are, because they helped me. Um, I'm here because they 
they took the brunt of what society threw at us as children. They, they helped protect me from the mean streets where really the government didn't care. I was in government care. Yeah. Uh, I had stitches. I had, um, had stitches on my foot. And because I was in government care and a runaway, they had laid me down on a gurney in the hospital at Prince George Hospital and put in my stitches and staples without painkiller. We need justice. We need to realize, everybody, I'm sorry, needs to realize that we are fighting for our lives now. We always have. Our ancestors have been fighting for our right to be on this planet. Our parents have been fighting for the right to be with their parents and their homes and their children and their families and then my generation came around and we're fighting for our ancestors voices for the healing of our parents and our grandparents and our great-grandparents we're trying to heal ourselves from the trauma that has been bestowed on us naturally by the Canadian government I was a child of the courts I was a ward of the courts and I am no better now then when I was alone on the street, yeah. I, I never received any government help. Um, they took me and put me in pro, uh, foster homes where you didn't have a choice but to run away. You were sexually assaulted, you were raped, you were molested, you were taking pictures of. They don't understand that the trauma continues. And now that we're cookums, we're mushums, we're we are bringing more life onto this planet. We're going to change the world and we're going to change it by the footsteps in the, which we leave on this planet. Yeah. Um, we are binding together as one and sharing stories so that we know at, where the Ojibwe's come from. We know where the, the Blackfoot come from. We know where the Dene come from. And guess what? The sad part about it is our stories are so similar. Mm. How can people stretched across a nation have the same voice, the same injustice, the same treatment, and nobody pay attention. I think it's time that we rise above and we are heard. We support those that come to this beautiful country. We always have. And I think that's time that we, we honor that and that we get honored too. Mm. That we get honored as as nature providers, as land providers, as mothers, um, and our stories are very important. And I thank you so very much for allowing me to be on this platform to share the stories of my girls and myself and the dream that I wish for my grandson Jovi to experience. Because the life that I had, the life that my mother and my grandmothers had, is unacceptable. And we are not going to live with this any longer. I will not raise him in that world. Oh, agreed. Oh, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I know it's not easy. And for Canadians who just don't seem to want to get it, like she talked about being a so-called millennium scoop or 60 scoop and that 
policy directly came from the TRC. Like it's written right in there how this came from the Indian residential schools and, and manifested to this way. And we've been telling these stories of how we've been misused in these foster homes and these group homes, how the government has mistreated us. We have annual reports from the government telling you how we're killed every single year in this province with no outrage. And you know, the, the anti-Indigenous bias and the um, you know, conversations that they have today about us still are wrong. If I'm calling out the CTV for using uh, a term of Calgarian native, like when are Calgarians going to get it? I know they don't want to. I know it's a really powerful place here. It's like, but I get to make my money. And I get to keep exploiting the land and I get to keep making my money off of dead indigenous people, whether here, provincially, nationally or globally. So money, money, money. That's all I care about. I have no morals or ethics, just money, money, money. And we see that it all comes from Calgary. All of these Indian denial groups, all of these folks who were committed to colonialism through municipal politics. It's just disgusting. And, um, you know, we have a big important vote coming up here in Alberta, and I would argue there is no colonial party that has our back, but for harm reduction purposes, I sure hope people consider not voting UCB. I don't know. It's, it's a really terrible situation we're in. Um, I'm actually not going to be in Calgary for our third annual Red Dress event. I'm going to be in Ottawa. And I'm sure that there will be a red dress event and protest on uh, Parliament. So I'm uh, looking forward to being with my Eastern sisters out there and uh, going to that event. We have our Indigenous Peoples fundraiser that morning, that breakfast for Indigenous candidates that are going to run um, through the Liberal Party of Canada. So that's the best I can do for harm reduction right now, because I, I am not a person of privilege. I do not have people willing to go to bat for me. I can't even get my followers to like notice when CTV is being harmful today, right? Like they're, everybody has their own purpose and their own platform. And, you know, obviously I try to amplify the drag show um, queens and kings doing the reading with royalty. Um, you know, we're, we're only, we can only do what we can do. So, and I invite you, Ray, if there's any time, you put out a post that you need resharing, never hesitate to tag me or to send me a message. Because to me, I try to amplify everyone. They don't always amplify me, but that's okay. Because I think we're kind of in a place of survival. You know, so I, I never judge Indigenous people for not um, amplifying what I have to say, because I know, I know we're in a place of survival. Um, today, my grandfather's being buried there's a long history of darkness there. And, you know, so I've always supported my granny the best I can and my family the best I can. So as we're taping this right now, they're gathering at St. Patrick's Church in Yellowknife to bury my grandpa. And uh, he's, I think yet we've figured it out, 27 um, grandkids and great grandkids. So we only have one great grandkid of his, um, but we're, we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. And when my granny goes, it doesn't matter. I will be going to Yellowknife and the discussion. So, you know, I'll have to, I don't know, hitchhike up there. I'm just kidding. I have lots of family that will be like, get in the damn car. 
<laughs> Love it. So how about for reclaiming for you? How has uh, reclaiming who you are, like, what has that journey been like? And do you have much support for aunts and uncles or, or family or community? Well, um, I've actually been a beacon of support for a lot of people um, mm-hmm. who have experienced similar stories such as myself. Mm-hmm. We collaborate together. We support each other. Um, but in regards to any services out there, nope. Um, nope. There are a lot of advocates, um, which you would think there would be somebody listening in the program field that would be like, Hey, I can start something for you. But at the, at this time, there really is nothing. Um, along my path, I've decided to become an addictions counselor. Um, so I'm a holistic counselor and that has really sort of given me that out output of an input actually, where I can hear other stories. I can, I can listen and absorb and support, but in regards to any other places out there, um, Gladys Reddick is a wonderful person uh, who does marches for the, the missing and murdered Aboriginal women. She's gone to Ottawa and back on one leg, might I say, um, one of my favorite mentors. She is, um, she is an advocate for the Highway of Tears and has done numerous things um, for the Highway of Tears and of course, all the other um, useful programs that are out there. But besides what we're doing for ourselves and our own people, there has not been a lot of um, outreach and quality things that we could do. Even counseling mm-hmm. has been really difficult to get a hold of mm-hmm. for our people. And anybody with any sort of PTSD, they don't really know how to deal with that part, with what, how to counsel someone with ch- uh, generational trauma. Um, all these, all these lines of of traumas. Like, I I think we're maybe at the beginning of it. I hope. Mm. Um, I'm hoping more of our people come out and share the stories because that is very healing to hear as well. Even if you can't find resources, just to connect with someone who has been there or can give you support. I think that's really important. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to plug a few things right now based off of what you said. So every podcast at the end, I talk about the 60 scoop, uh, society of Alberta. Um, you know, again, this is a uh, group that doesn't have much for funding, so therefore they can't have much for programming. And I hope that our so-called allies listening hear why it is we need investments in these programs. Um, I'll also say that I'm a part of Wellbriety, the uh, White Goose, or White Goose, sorry, all of my Calgary listeners are laughing. She's going to say White Goose Slang Report, and I was going to say that, but what I meant to say was... We, we have this society, this uh, white bison society that does uh, a lot of the well variety work that's more based around Indigenous teachings as opposed to the imposed Christianity. And um, I do the Mending Broken Hearts program where we talk about the trauma that is created. Again, program that doesn't have funding, you know, and, and that's that's where, where I, I have really struggled with people who are like, well, the Alberta government is investing so much money into this. And I'm like, nope, not culturally relevant supports, you know, and, and this back to the, you know, you can't find help. Well, of course you can't because it's all Christian programming with Western settler ideas of what counseling should be. And this is what I'm talking about when it comes to culturally appropriate work and it's not funded. 
contrary to what people believe. Now, we have lots of white settler folks who work for Service Canada, who work for Indian Affairs, who have nice pensions, and, you know, they get to be racist to us very regularly and not actually provide us a, a damn thing. Well, that, that's not true. But regardless, it's nothing of what Treaty intended. And all of the money that goes to them and their pensions, rather than through our bans, we don't get the programs we need. Um, no. I will say I heard a, a little news segment today that the Stony Dakota are going to have a new addiction center, which is wonderful. And I know, likely, that money went from something else where it need, was needed in order to create this. Uh, we are experiencing an extreme uh, drug crisis here in Alberta right now. And all the white people know it and they're happy to watch us die because they were like oh no it's totally okay that they took the doors off of the transit over the christmas minus 40 weather because we just want you know violent amputation and dead indigenous people like they're just okay with our deaths over and over and i i get so incredibly frustrated with the lack of understanding from our so-called allies who so-called care about reconciliation who still don't understand treaty, who don't understand they are responsible. They're voting in these people who are like, oh no, Christian treatment center is totally going to help indigenous people, especially by force. It's incredible. I can't believe we have to have these conversations. That is the power of having a podcast like this though, is that we can take our voice back. Now they can choose not to listen and that's because they're racist and that's okay. But for folks who do listen, like, I just don't know what it's going to take for them to want to act. Like, if I can show up to a drag uh, reading and you can't, like, clearly are, we are not comprehending what showing up and doing action means while listening. So I hope people start to get this, why their vote matters, why, you know, advocating for you know, proper supports matters. I mean, and I just tell people, especially the ones with no ethics and morals and only care about money. If all you care about is money, then know that the fiscal, um, the, if you fiscally look at housing people and giving them mental health support, it's still cheaper than what's happening right now. And it's helping people rather than harming people rather than throwing them in so-called jails of, you know, mental health treatment or jail itself or social, um, this uh, child welfare kidnapping that we have, you know, like, it, I don't know why, well, I know it's white supremacy and that, oh my God, we so know what's better for you damn little Indians. I know that's what it is. So it sucks. So I'm just, and I also want to plug Awaton. So um, Awaton Healing Lodge is, the only urban indigenous space that there is for uh, women fleeing violence. And we have a lot of non-indigenous at the board making, um, well, breaking constitution, but also a bigger picture of not following their bylaws where it's supposed to be 50 plus indigenous people on that board. So, you know, their AGM is coming up folks. If you wanna buy a membership at uh, Awaton, it's all on their website you know, and, and show up to vote, you got to get it done immediately because, you know, according to their bylaw, well, I'm not, I'm not going to go too much further on here, but anyway, you know, that, that wasn't even in place at the time that my mother was experiencing domestic violence um, here in Calgary. So that, of course, that's where I try to put a lot of my time and efforts and such. And 
my daughter did a fundraiser at her school for Awaton and um, they'd fund not just the, uh, well, they don't fund the uh, May 5th event at all. Um, actually, nobody does. It's just a group of us that get together and do it. Um, but there's also the Valentine's Day March, which is not funded by Awaton, but Awaton has the Sisters in Spirit Committee that focuses mainly on October 4th, uh, Sisters in Spirit Day. So, you know, there's at least three dates that our so-called allies can show up for. So, you know, to talk about the issue of missing and murdered Indigenous exploited people, you know, this matters. And for the longest time, we weren't even including our two-spirit. So that's why it's so important that we talk about these issues. So I appreciate everything you shared today, Ray. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? And how do people follow you? I follow you on TikTok. What's your TikTok handle and what other ways to get a hold of you? Um, let me take a quick peek because I actually don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> let me take a peek at that TikTok. Um, so you are able to follow me on TikTok through Ray of Light. Um, Ray Wright is um, my name through Facebook as well. Feel free to reach out to me. Um, I'm always on Facebook, TikTok, looking around, looking for more advocates. Um, definitely always looking for more stories and connecting with more people. So definitely follow me on that, those platforms. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ray. And when that second book comes out, we'll have to plug it. Absolutely. Yeah. We're starting to work on a little bit of things this, this summer together, me and Jessica. So mm -hmm. lots of wonderful things to come. We really look forward to seeing everybody come and attend on May 5th. Right on. And for folks out in Ontario, I sure hope you heard this, that we need more supports for uh, 60 Scoop survivors. So please be a part of that. We started a walk here in October in Calgary um, because of a vision that one of our 60 Scoopers had. And it came to light and we were walking and we just had our second, um, well, we had our first meeting for our second annual walk that we're going to do. So maybe that is something that can help is, is walks that maybe happen nationally. I don't know, but it is important that people understand the gravity of this. And we'll also say this, every one of these provinces and territories that are like, oh my God, we so stopped doing birth alerts and apprehending our children. On Indigenous TikTok, we are sharing constant regular apprehensions that we have condescending colonizer police and social workers coming in and saying, we can discuss it after we've taken your baby. I just want every single non-Indigenous person to really think of how cool that would be that somebody decide, from the government decides to take your baby. We don't have the damn freedom fighters fighting for us. Jesus Christ. Anything else you'd like to add, Ray? <laughs> she's just nodding along <laughs> no no not a worry oh I just love listening to your podcast I'm going to actually when we're done go listen to more um you're educating people and that is wonderful we really need more people to open their hearts and open their mouths and really say what's on your mind and enough with the fear um we need to get on and we really need to get together and talk and I think this was wonderful thank oh. you Wonderful. Thank you, Ray. And I just wish you all the love and luck as we go forward and know to reach out to me at any point in time. And I'm going to go through my resources here for folks. And so you're welcome to chime in, but also, um, yeah, we'll just, 
we'll have the finish here and go from there. Oh, one of the things I do is I, I have a book club. Um, so through the book club, we've been, uh, we went through all the TRC volumes. Uh, we're on the MMIW inquiry report. So our next one is actually the uh, calls to action. Uh, right. That's the section in the inquiry. So that's going to be, and that's open to anybody for folks who right. want to listen and for folks who will go back to some of my podcasts um, or, or YouTube videos since the pandemic, you yep. know, a lot yep. of these are online. So that if- is wonderful. I actually yeah. had to pull my story from the inquiry. Um, they wanted to publish my contact information, but as being a survivor, I, I didn't agree with that at all. So unfortunately I was supposed to be in that, but I, I pulled it out. I couldn't, I I'm a survivor. Those men have never been caught. Nobody looked for them. So geez, Louise, holy. So I pulled my story from there, but I would love to look at that. Yeah, absolutely. So it is free and online for anyone listening. And uh, yeah, we just went through sections because it, like it's two big volumes and there. It's a lot, right? You can't just read it overnight kind of thing. So, and, and, and it's heavy, right? So for someone like me, it's like, <sighs> after reading some of it, <laughs> some of it, I can't even, I'm like, I can't read this wholly anyway. Um, also, we have the Reconciliation Action Group in Calgary. So if you have um, any type of reconciliation committee in your area, always highly recommend joining them because then that way settlers can actually, you know, act as opposed to being like, oh my God, it's such a good first step to know that you exist. I I hear that one more time. My God, I'm proud that this podcast has given solutions and included cultural safety training and cultural first aid in all of them to create a safer space for indigenous people of color, those with disabilities and 2SLGBTQ to speak. Thank you to Cheryl Ward, Alicia Branch, Blah. Cheryl Ward, Chelsea Branch, and Alicia Fridkin. I've said these three names so many times that I mix them up now. What a goofball. <laughs> so you go to heretohelp.bc.ca. There's a whole bunch of um, information for about Indigenous people and what is Indigenous cultural safety, why I should care about it. Their work and those cultural action tools are available. So please support Indigenous work like that as part of your reconciliation work and settler understanding. I'm just lucky enough to highlight and repeat it here. Internalized racism or lateral violence is another form of violence Indigenous and marginalized people experience by the structure of racism imposed on these lands. We have to heal from this. So if you don't understand it, then you are going to continue to perpetuate it. So I highly recommend every single Indigenous person understand the gravity of what internalized and lateral violence is. Um, So you can go to racialequitytools.org. They have tons of resources files and they have what is internalized racism by Donna Bevins. Uh, Do's and don'ts for bystander intervention by American Friends Service Committee. So you're on the C train and you see a Muslim being harassed by some white freedom fighter. This gives you some ideas of what you can do. So go to AFSC.org and go to do's and don'ts by standard intervention. There are tons of information. So what are you doing, settlers? Holy judging side eye. I wish anyone that follows me on my social media would watch um, the anti-racism organizational lead for the city of Calgary. They are giving uh, lots of presentations about how to be an anti-racist leader 
So if you're like, oh my God, Michelle, you keep calling me out and I'm still struggling. Well, here's a whole thing for you. And then add it as part of your anti-racism training you did for the month. Jeez, get with it. Indigenous have been talking about our issues, sharing our traumas in reports, commissions, and public hearings, just so it can be regularly disregarded or not included because they don't, you don't want your contact info. Holy, no more. Uh, no, honor our words, honor the treaties, listen to politicians and their policies and platforms. If they don't recognize the marginalized in their budget with gender equity plus, if they're cutting violence prevention program services, indigenous education, uterus health choices, gay straight alliances, lack of human rights for migrants, immigrants, folks with disabilities, know that your vote to that party directly negatively impacts marginalized people. Demand that they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action and the recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples. The multiple reports we have about child welfare reform and violence prevention, and now the 231 calls to justice from the National Inquiry. Provincially here in Alberta, the Kenny government created 113 pathways to justice. So all you blue voters should know about this and hold your blue MLAs uh, to account on it. The new Premier's Council on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls is available. Municipally, we have the White Goose Flying Report. Denying these reports is a form of abuse called gaslighting. Our people are experiencing extreme racism in the educational and health institutions with multiple reports that say the same thing. Demand change from the election platforms and politicians. If they don't understand colonialism, racism, privilege, and sexism, they literally have zero business running. This should be understood by all parties, local politicians, community organizations, sports clubs, and more. Google articles on how non-Indigenous people can become allies. Um, Stephanie Harp and I had an emergency podcast in the hopes our allies would write and do more on the crises we're facing. You can also uh, get the Aboriginal Alert um, app. There's a, you can go to their website. You can sign up. There's the Missing Children of Canada I also encourage people to go to womenshomelessness.ca, demand for urgent action on to protect the lives of Indigenous women, girls, two-spirit, and gender-diverse people experience homelessness. Like, she's talking about this back in the 90s. I'm talking about it today. So, Canada, get your shit together. Holy. Um, so, back to the opioid crisis and the uh, drug crisis system. Do not use alone. Please, if you're using substances... If you are, create some safety plans. You can also go to the National Overdose Response Service at 888-688-NORS or the Brave or Doors app is also available. If you're experiencing emotional distress after anything we talked about today, you can go to First Nation and Inuit Hope for a Wellness Helpline at 855-242-3310. It is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can also go to hopeforwellness.ca. They have a text option. And you can, if more related to missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit, like the subject we talked about today, you can go to 844-413-6649. It is 24-7 emotional support. For non-Indigenous, you almost always have a functioning 211 in your area. You can go to 833-456-4566 or text at 4545. And you can go to crisisservices.ca for more. The 60 Scoop Indigenous Society of Alberta is at ssisa.ca. The Indian Residential School Survivors and Family Hotline, 866 925-4419 and the kids help phone is 86 or 8 1-800-668-6868
The Native Youth Crisis Hotline is 1-877-209-1266. The following are two SLGBTQ uh, crisis supports. So first of all, thank you, Trevor Project. You can go to lifevoice.ca. Trans Lifeline is 877-660-6366. And the youth, 866-844-7386. Violence is my everyday reality. Every Indigenous generation has faced it. This is self-care, how I take my power back. It's why I started a podcast, to speak freely without interruption, tone police, leadership shaming, gaslighting questions, as many people don't want to hear Indigenous opinion, but sure want to tell us theirs by people who know nothing about us, nothing about colonialism, the constant surveillance of our people, protests, vigils, and rights. I share so much information every single day. Learn about being trauma-informed. Folks like me are dealing with internalized racism and gatekeeping and folks who survive off the status quo. So, you know, they stop us from doing good work, deplete the personal resources. Internal and external racism is an everyday reality for me and Indigenous people, folks with disability, QT, BIPOC, and more. Masi Cho to my ancestors. I guess, you know, since my grandpa died, I've, I've been doing my smudge and thinking, you know, about him and including him. To my granny and my mom of what strength looks like through your example. I thank my dad for teaching me to be strong and uh, blunt. My stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through her Austrian family and roots. And to my husband, Big Buffalo Rockman, um, for producing and editing the show. On top of being my husband, my childhood friend, the father of our child, and my support down the red road, he has witnessed decades of racism and sexism. And to our child, Thunderpipe Necklace Woman, we are blessed to learn from you daily, and we are honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better and stronger person. I hope my daughter and my family will be proud in the future of us trying to discuss these issues. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can go pledge and support. Thank you, previous donors, for showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com, where you can send in your comments or questions. I also have a YouTube channel that you can go and subscribe. Go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin posts on social media. On January 4th, I put out my birthday wish to go to Ottawa on May 4th. I want to thank you. I want to honor those who made a one-time donation to help me run for the Indigenous Peoples Commission uh, Operations Co-Chair. You are the reason why I'm going, so thank you. And I want to end by giving side-eye to those Calgary rabbits. You're lucky I'm not tradish. And my beautiful cousin would respond, or you'd be in my dish. Thank you so much for coming on, Ray. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. It's a wonderful treat. Thank you. Oh, honored.